Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about Just 
welcome to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. I am your host, Letitia Wong. I'm on the air today with... Me. 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 Yep. Thomas Smith. Welcome to the program. Me. How are you? All right. How are you today? Oh, I'm here. Just tired, but I'm here. Well, we know that you are doing the best you can with the circumstances you are given. We are praying for you, for God to provide in a most miraculous way. But I am really glad that you're able to join the show and be on air with us. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here on your awesome and phenomenal show. My show. It's not my show. (laughs) It's our show. And, well, we want to start our show the way we always need to start our show, and that is to tell our audience why we do what we do, and it comes from Scripture, and that is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And Thomas, would you like to give us the do the honors, or would you like me to do that? I'll do it. Deuteronomy okay. chapter 30, verse 19. God said through the prophets, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed may live. And there you have it. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, we give you glory, honor, and praise. And we thank you for another opportunity to host Pro-Life Fridays Radio here on the Visible Conservative Radio Network, Lord God. Father, I thank you for growth and listenership, Lord God, and I ask you to continue to bless the voices and the faces behind this show. Bless our guests and bless their families. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, Well, Thomas, do you realize how much news has happened in the last week that if if you look at it in the right way, in the right context, it will just blow your mind the issue of life, pro-life abortion, especially abortion, um, has come in the news. And, and if you were listening to the regular media, you would never make this connection. But if you listen to this show, we will tell you exactly what's going on and how this impacts the abortion debate. Have you noticed the news? I have. I have. So, 
what have you thought about what's been going down? Just name something, anywhere. Oh, I just find it in- interesting how um, news media and pro-aborts don't realize that they have been back into a wall. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because now they're about to charge the individual in Cleveland with capital murder for the death of five babies, but I'll let you handle the rest of that in your monologue because I don't want to give it away. Ah, well, we got plenty more to talk about than just that alone, but um, let me tie it all together. And you're going to love this because I sat back and I said, it's coming down. It's raining bad news down for the supporters of of Planned Parenthood and abortion in this country. And so since it's Friday, it's time for me to complain about the mainstream media again because – they are so worthy, so worthy of it. This week has seen the completion of what I call a trifecta of bad news for abortion supporters. And yeah. what do the major news outlets, save Fox News, do? They get out their brooms and sweep, sweep, sweep away stories that are too inconvenient for their politically political ideology. I'm I'm talking about the Kermit Gosnell baby neck snipping woman mutilating trial that has put this put his house of cat feces into the spotlight for once. I'm also talking about the horrifying revelations from the live action videos titled Inhuman, which are that there are plenty of late-term abortionists who have no trouble letting a baby born alive in a botched abortion die without medical help. And indeed, some would finish the job of death outside the womb in violation of federal BIPA laws. So here they go. They're sleep, 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 sleeping it away. And you think, because if you have been paying attention to the news, you can't find the Gosnell trial story on the front page any newspaper, or on the front page of any website, news site. You can't find the Inhuman videos from live action, not mentioned at all. It's hardly even mentioned on some of the pro-life websites. Now, there's granted, there's plenty that's been happening, so they are popping up headlines like crazy. But it is buried in the mainstream media. They're hoping that since you don't notice it, you won't think of it. And in fact... I think website news did call attention to the fact that only seven percent of people polled um, <clears throat> pulled by Gallup seven percent even know who Kermit Gosnell is, and and they know about the trial. That's not right. a, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. <laughs> it's not a lot. Uh, so, but but the but you think that okay. They're actively suppressing this, but they can't suppress what comes next, which is the beautiful thing about this. So let me back up and say we heard the paid Planned Parenthood lobbyist, 
Alyssa LaPolt Snow testify at the Florida State Legislature that the life of a baby born alive at an abortion mill is up to the woman and the abortionist, who was seconds before trying to end it. Well, just several hours later, maybe a couple of days, Planned Parenthood made or had to make a half-hearted discount of their own paid lobbyist official paid testimony under oath when confronted with testimony that was likewise under oath by employees right. of Kermit Gosnell. Right. That the babies that Gosnell killed were alive and born prior to having scissors jammed into the bases of their necks and their spinal cords cut. And so Kermit Gosnell is on trial for killing babies born alive. And Planned Parenthood says, oh, no, that's horrible, and we would never endorse that kind of baby killing when they just did. And it was televised for all the world to see. So those two things, those two pieces of news they're trying to suppress and that mainstream media is trying to suppress, and this is how I know that God exists and he is a good God because when they tried to suppress this at the time, because Gosnell's trial is nearly over, the, the jury has dismissed for one last, I think it's one last time. I think they're very much near done deliberating. But they dismissed for the last of their time. And the media is really wanting that story to go away. They never really reported on live action. But now I'm talking about the Cleveland Freedom case. I call it the Cleveland Freedom case. Because Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus, and Michelle Knight were freed from the hellish sex slavery that they were in for, like a decade or more. And last right. but not least, and probably most important, the six year old daughter of Amanda Berry, Jocelyn, who born and raised born and raped, born in the inhumanity of Ariel Castro's sick mind and was freed. Now, I can't imagine what her life has been like up until now. But if I were a Planned Parenthood employee, I would be very uncomfortable about questions that have anything to do with this little girl. This girl is the unraveling of everything Planned Parenthood stands for. She is the answer. To the rape exception, and she yep. is why the pro-choice, pro-death, pro-abortion argument is now facing a no-win situation, and I am talking lose, lose. Yeah, she's not all. She's not all because this Cleveland case gets worse for abortion supporters. Yesterday, news articles were reporting the possibility that Ariel Castro was going to be charged with the deaths of five unborn babies conceived in his rapes. That is, if you get my drift, Castro aborted five babies, particularly right. in his first victim, Michelle Knight. Oh, I'll try to say this right. The Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga, 
Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Timothy McGinty has told the public in a press conference yesterday that he will be seeking murder charges against Castro for each of the abortions. Now think carefully about what I just said and how I phrased it. He will be seeking murder charges against Castro for each of the abortions. If McGinty charges Castro with five counts of murder and these charges go to trial, it will be the first time that anyone has been charged with murder for committing abortion in God knows when. And this is different than two counts of murder in murdering a pregnant woman. Let me point that out. This is different because his adult victims are still alive. This, this is abortion's hard place here. Because the ACLU and NARAL and NOW have long argued that abortion is not murder because the victims aren't persons. So by that logic, Castro didn't murder anyone, even though he committed five abortions. Hmm. Wow. I just would, I would love, if we have a listening audience with critics today, I'd love to see someone try to give me crap about these being forced abortions. Fall into that trap, please. Please, because you know I would love it. I would love it. So for those you of you who are... Not, don't you mean what? they're not being forced abortions? Well... There are the argument if you read you're reading in the news that they were forced abortions. They are assuming that they were a forced forced abortions. <clears throat> that Castro had impregnated Michelle Knight five times and aborted her babies five times. And people are assuming that they're forced abortions. Which makes me smile. <laughs> because for those of you who are slow on the take, answer me this. How do you know they were forced? There have been cases where pregnant women have ordered their boyfriends to kick them in the stomach so the baby would die. Oh, yes, I'm not, I'm not making that up. So the burden of proof is to show that these abortions were forced. But by pro-abortion logic, No woman in Michelle Knight's circumstances should ever have wanted to keep and give birth to a rapist, demonic, monster, spawn baby. Right? Right. Hmm. So here's my piece of advice to Ariel Castro. Go hire a Planned Parenthood attorney to defend your case because they have been arguing for decades that abortion is okay in the case of rape and incest, and so buy yourself the best chance you can get for acquittal. Wow. That <laughs> you have a very brutally honest point there. And you know what? I like it. <laughs> well, here's a, here's a question. Would it, would it make a difference if Castro were a 
abortionist by trade and operated an abortion clinic from his home. And his last name was Gosnell. There really isn't no, there really isn't no difference. No. And, and all we have to do is wake people up to the fact that there is no difference. There is no difference. True, Ariel Castro is not a abortionist by trade, but he accomplished the same task. Right. Who cares how it happened? If hey, if Hillary Clinton can stand on that this, that statement, say what difference does it make? I think it sure can. What difference does it make? How those babies died. And right. this is where Planned Parenthood and all those who agree with them, this is where Planned Parenthood runs into their lose-lose position. They lose because they defended after-birth abortions. They right. lose when they tried to criticize Kermit Gosnell, even though they were complicit in more than one way with his practices. That's the side point. So they lose for being liars. They lose for having a seasoned employee tell a woman they would drop a live baby in a jar of toxic liquid, which is against the law. They lose because they oppose such a law. They lose if they say a little girl born from rape is a life worth saving. They lose if they don't. Right. They lose if Castro is charged with murder. They lose if they condemn him. And finally, they lose if they try to defend his actions in any way. In this case, I would say the position Planned Parenthood is in, and NARAL, and all the other pro-abortion supporters, is a very difficult one to get out of. Very difficult. Right. And what we as people of conscience need to do is bring that question to them, because I guarantee you they're not answering their phones this week. Oh, no. There isn't anybody from Planned Parenthood or NARAL or NOW that's going to get up in front of a camera and talk about it at all. Right. Willingly. Well, we hope maybe we can eke out something that would make them say say what they really believe. And that what, it doesn't matter what they say. They're in a really hard, tough situation. And they're just hoping that this is all going to blow over and they can continue to talk about their inconsistent plans uh, for murdering innocent children for whatever reason. Don't forget that the ultimate point of pro-abortion legislation, oh, let me talk about that. I'll talk about that in a minute. The whole point is to make abortion on demand and without apology. Not legal for for rape and incest because we've tried that. We've tried to ban abortions 
for all circumstances except for rape and incest. And what do Democrats do? And what do what does Planned Parenthood do? And what does NARAL do? They come out in opposition of that for those laws. Right. Case in point, Colorado, wonderful Colorado, where they're banning guns and making abortions legal for anything and everyone. Hey, Letitia. Yeah. I'm going to let you do a little commentary and step away and take a phone call, but I'll be right back after these messages. Okay. (laughs) What happened in Colorado is a very, very interesting and timely thing like everything else that I've pointed out that's happened. In Colorado, Planned Parenthood has been able to repeal a lot of Colorado's pro-life laws. So to make a long story short, it is now legal in the state of Colorado to operate a Gosnell-style abortion clinic and never be prosecuted for it. Isn't that nice? And here they were trying to say, oh, no, that we couldn't ever support something like that. That's a violation. That's horrible. Horrible what he did to little babies snipping their necks after they were born alive and hurting women. Well, you know, in Colorado, if a woman dies, the abortion clinic and the abortionist are no longer held liable for death anymore. So... You know, let's let's not look at what Planned Parenthood says when they agree with most pro-life Americans, which is about 58% of the population. Let's look at what they really support and what they really do. I think that the – I think we're coming up on a really important unraveling in this country where abortion – even even abortion in the in the cases of rape and incest, abortion with exceptions, is really unraveling. I can only hope that people see the the logic go forward. Where when you start taking away the right to life and the right to exist from the most vulnerable human beings in in our most common vulnerable stage, we all have to pass through a womb to get here. And if our life is not worth saving and worth protecting when we are in that room because somebody else has more rights than we do, then we never have those rights, even when, we, when we're born. That's why we have unethicists pushing on the academic level. And this is where a lot of this comes from. Don't think that NARAL popped this into their head out of nothing. All your pro-abortion eugenics ideas come from that segment of academia that is fundamentally stripping people of intrinsic moral value in their, in their papers, in their conferences, around tables, and they are the wealth of the people that sit on ethics boards and hospitals, insurance companies, especially health insurance companies. And they're the ones that determine the human lives are worth so much, and if it's not worth saving, you're not worth saving. Persons, persons by themselves are not intrinsically valuable enough to save. There is a, such a thing 
as something more value, valuable than a human life. If you want to be treated like that, don't complain. Don't complain when it comes back against you, which is what is happening in Europe and in Canada, in any country that has such a socialized medicine that people are actively denied care in order to save the system money. Yeah, right. I thought only greedy insurance, private insurance companies and corporations were capable of this inhuman type of thing. You know, Mitt Romney, for instance, killing women with cancer. Interesting how that works. So what do you have what do you have for us, Thomas? I mean, I know that you've been paying attention. What do you think? Oh, you're telling it like it is. You're telling it like it is. I just I just find it I find it kind of interesting because I'm looking I'm looking at everything else from a humorous standpoint of view, I'm looking at everything starting to unravel around them. I mean, everything. You have the Kermit Gosnell case. Um, You have things going on with the administration. Their lies are being exposed, but yet, like the tireless little sheeps that they are, they still stick into the talking point. Oh, this is a political cover up and all this, that and the other. They yeah. The days are numbered. And I just I just find it I just find I find it humorous that um we wow. We we just need to be patient. That's all. That's really all I can say. We need to be patient. Right. We we do. But and and we we need to be tireless while we're pa- patient at pointing out just the vacuum, the vacuum of intellect, the vacuum of compassion, and the heartless nature of the pro-abortion community. I shouldn't say the pro-abortion community. It's a pro-abortion mafia is what it is. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what happens if a case, if the Castro case, because I would like to see what happens when they go to trial for him. I would love to see what happens. Uh, if this case ends up, or one like it, because there's going to be more. Oh, you know, it's just a matter of time. If one like it ends up having the effect of overturning Roe v. Wade, what is going to happen? And part of me is very eager to test that and try it and just, let this go forward. Now everybody's going to jump on my back. Like, oh, you want you want to see women being, you know, suffering under sex slavery? No, absolutely not. But as you know, and as I know, as everybody knows, 
Slavery is illegal. Slavery is illegal, but there are still people who are enslaved. But so I, I have a question. I have a question. I gotta step in. I gotta ask this question. Yeah. Okay, if a woman gets pregnant through consensual means with her mate, but yet before she gets before she got pregnant through her consensual means, she was in an economic position where she knew that she couldn't where they both knew they couldn't um for the baby, but yet they wasn't thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But yet, as soon as she gets pregnant and the realization hits them, then it's the old, well, I can't afford it. I, well, I should say, let me let me clarify. The boyfriend or a lot of family members will pressure that that girl or that lady into well, you can't afford it. You can't afford it. And then along comes the pro-abortion people. And here it is. You're mm-hmm. enslaved. He's just enslaving you sexually. So here's my question. Since when was consensual sex sexual slavery? Oh, that's a great question. I can I can probably say I can probably hear. Um, I think it's Nadine Strasser <laughs> answer that question. Uh, no, that's not fair if I say her name. But um, the classic pro-abortion response is, it is whatever this woman says it is, because what is what what are most rape cases about? Woman woman accuses a woman accuses a man of raping her, and he says no, it was consensual. Right. And right. and there we have a problem in the legal system. How do you how do you pit one word one word against another? You have to have more evidence than that. Well, it's very hard to prove consent and and rape. A very fine line when nobody was there and just. And it's just two people and two people's words against each other. Uh, that's a very interesting question. That's yeah. how the pro-abortion yeah. side has gotten away with it so far. And saying you let the woman define what happens to her, that's not in and of itself wrong. But it does leave a lot of room for abuse of the system right. when you define it that way. So right. I'm glad I'm not a lawyer and have to figure this out. Even maybe one of these days, if God wants me to figure it out, I guess I'll have to figure it out. <laughs> We're going to take a break and be back with our guest from Pro Life Action League. And if you have a phone, if you have, if you are near a phone and you want to call in and ask a question, the number to call in is seven six zero five four two three nine zero seven. We had a whole plan to sell abortion things called sex education. Break down their natural modesty, 
separate them from their parents and their values and become the sex expert in their life so they turn to us. When we would give them a low-dose birth control pill, they would get pregnant on or a defective condom. Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. The multitudes of people that have been hurt by abortion, it's just unfathomable. That abortion is really, to me, the ultimate exploitation of women. It is so shameful and secretive that many women don't tell anybody that they've had an abortion. They won't say anything for 20, 30, 40, 55 years. They're so traumatized with silence. The U.S. Senate report states, physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There is an overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writings. Planned Parenthood is expanding now. They're building gigantic abortion clinics in anticipation of socialized medicine. There's a lot of money involved. We never would take personal checks. We always encourage the ladies to bring cash. Why is that? So, well, you don't have to report cash, friend. When you're fighting for your life, you need to know what you're fighting for. And if what you're fighting for is life, how do you destroy a life in an effort to fight that fight? I'm fighting so hard to save myself that I'll kill someone else to get that. I recognized I'd been involved in the death of 35,000 babies. And the truth has really come out about what abortion does to women, let alone the unborn baby, our dead babies. It will be over. And welcome back to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. I am your host, Leticia Wong. I'm on the air with Thomas Smith, and we have a wonderful guest. Um. I wanted to I want to set this up first by mentioning that this is a kind of a continuation from the show that we had last where we were interrupted with some technical difficulties and were unable to complete the show which was very heartbreaking for me because I'm like I really want to talk about this now but we were denied but we are back and Although we don't have everybody that I wanted to have on the show talk about what we're going to talk about, we do have Eric Scheidler from Pro-Life Action League. So, Eric, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Wonderful. Um, What we had planned, what I had planned um, several weeks ago, was to have you come on the air with Troy Newman, who lives in Wichita, because we are all talking about a very common issue a topic, which is the potential reopening of George Tiller's abortion clinic in Wichita, which is on paper going to be owned or has the potential to be owned by a doctor who lives in Chicago, where you are. That's right. And you know of this doctor. Her name is Cheryl Chastine. 
And so you were going to give us the Cheryl Chastain half of the story, and Troy Newman was going to give us the Wichita half of the story. But he had a prior commitment today uh, and realized it too late. So uh, we're going to have him on another time, but we're going to talk about the half that we can talk about today. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit, Eric, about what you know about Cheryl Chastain and what she has to do with Wichita. Well, this is a, it's a shame Troy can't be on today, but uh, maybe I can share uh, the way we've been collaborating on this, um, on this particular uh, battle. Um, several weeks ago, um, Troy Newman of Operation Rescue was able to determine the identity of the doctor who was the official owner of Southwind uh, Women's Center, which is the, uh, the new name of the facility that used to be operated by George Tiller, who uh, listeners may recall was a late-term abortionist who was actually uh, killed, um, shot by somebody a couple of years ago. And that, um, that abortion clinic closed down at that time. Uh, meanwhile, the state of Kansas um, had, had clamped down on some of the looseness in their laws that had allowed late-term abortions to be, to be done there. And so uh, that facility you know, sort of languished for a while, a couple attempts to reopen it. Uh, finally this year, uh, the, there was a group that um, organized to um, to get that place reopened. Now, Troy, with us, he could probably fill you in on some of the specific names and so forth. But the, the important point here is that they they under Kansas law, a medical facility has to be owned officially owned by a physician. Not just anybody can open a, a medical office. Right. You have to be a doctor. So right. they began to search for a physician willing to have their name on the papers, and they found this Cheryl Chastain. Uh, and because of the papers that were filed in order to open this new facility, Troy was able to determine uh, that Cheryl Chastain was that owner, that official owner, and, uh, and, and where she lived and where she was working. Turns out she's a family practice doctor in Oak Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. In fact, I used to live there, so I know the community very well. Um, and she has a family practice, a wellness center, uh, where she works um, in Oak Park. And so when we found this out, we decided to, uh, to put the pressure on here in Chicago since we're here. So it was a, a real great opportunity for two pro-life groups to work together. Uh, Troy Newman unearthing the identity of this abortionist um, who was going to be bringing abortion back to Wichita if successful. Right. And then the pro-life action league here in Chicago building on that information and, uh, and going out and putting pressure on shell testing. So we went out a couple of weeks ago to her office in, in Oak Park and held a protest, and it was fabulously successful. Um, it was one of those situations where everything seems to be falling apart. That The day of the protest, the weather report was calling for a 100% chance of, of heavy rains during the protest, and it was raining cats and dogs in the morning as we were heading in. Then the rain stopped, and we had a tremendous turnout. 40 or 50 people came out, which this was a last-minute protest. We weren't able to publicize it online at all because we didn't want to give away uh, what we were doing because we know we have spies on our email list and people monitor our mm -hmm. Facebook page and so forth from the other side. So we had to do it all through phone calls and through, and through regular mail to get people to come out. People were really fired up because this was a really unusual kind of a protest. Where, and the way we built it, we said, how can a protest in Oak Park, Illinois, affect and save lives in Wichita, Kansas? Well, if we can convince this Oak Park doctor, this Chicago-based doctor, to drop her affiliation with Southwind, 
why that facility can't operate under Kansas law. We could be saving babies in Wichita by protesting in Chicago. So we held this protest. Um, we had tremendous cooperation with the police. We were able to get literature out to clients that were going in there. Uh, and we were able to, to learn that that protest really upset uh, Chastain and the abortion cartel. Emails started going around for groups like the Feminist Majority Foundation, you know, wringing their hands and complaining about how we're harassing this doctor and so forth. Well, all we were doing was announcing what she does. We went out there with graphic abortion signs to show what abortion does, what this person supporting, so that the clients that were going to this facility, including at one point a woman who was about seven months pregnant, showed up. You, know, oh, you want your baby delivered by someone whose hands are killing babies uh, other days of the week in another town? Of course you don't. Um, and, and we had signs that said abortionists. We had these signs made um, that are like a big yellow arrow, and they said abortionists in red letters. So we can, uh, you know, kind of out these people because, you know, abortion is a shameful business. And for all of the propaganda that comes from the abortion cartel and from the feminist, um, radical feminist movement and the liberal left to try to normalize abortion and make it uh, seem like health care and included in Obamacare and so forth, everybody knows abortion is shameful. The medical community especially knows it. Uh, no physician wants to be called an abortionist. They don't want to be associated with abortion. Uh, they may refer people to abortion clinics, but they don't want to. It's a shameful thing. Abortionists are the bottom feeders of the medical community, and we're seeing that in this Gosnell trial. Uh, this is, right. you know, when you take up abortion practice, this is the way you go. And so our our thinking is, if we can, you know, show Cheryl Chastain that there are costs to be paid if you want to serve as an abortionist, you know, that your community is going to know about it, that your coworkers are going to know about it, that the other tenants in the building you're going to know about it, um, that you're going to have to face that pressure. Maybe she'll drop it, you know, not only for the sake of the babies in Wichita, but for her own sake, so that she's not complicit right. in this tremendous crime, this injustice, this sin of abortion. Um, oh, my, yeah, so the, my thoughts, exactly. The protest went so well that we scheduled another one for um, for later this month. And we, one of the really interesting things that came out from our being out there on the street a few weeks ago was that we got an anonymous call from apparently a tenant of another building in the same suburb that this Dr. Chastain is apparently moving her office to, who is real upset and doesn't want to have an abortionist in the same building as them. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, or nearby or whatever it is. We're not, we're not really clear on those details. But, right. uh, so we've been reaching out to the landlord of this building, sent certified letters that were returned to us, so clearly something is going on with the move. Um, this new office is in a much um, fancier part of town where abortion protests would be much more obnoxious to the local community and the other tenants and so forth. So we're pursuing this really aggressively. And, you know, I think the, the takeaway from all this is, first of all, the collaboration between the Pro-Life Action League and Operation Rescue is, uh, I think, really um, you know, exemplary. Uh, Operation Rescue really excels at digging down and getting the dirt on the abortion cartel, getting that information, outing them and exposing them. They're, they're wonderful with the, with the documents and the medical boards and the FOIA requests and all the, the digging down into the documentation. Pro-Life Action League excels at public protest and bringing pressure publicly and through the media. So we're, we're able to bring all those strengths together to put pressure on this doctor. Not only might this... Uh, result in 
this particular doctor, Cheryl Chastain, dropping her abortion practice, dropping her affiliation with the abortion clinic in Wichita. But it is a a warning call to all the other abortionists out there that this is what can happen. When, when we find out where you are, who you are, that you're killing babies, we're going to be putting the pressure on you to get out of there, uh, to quit being involved with abortion. Because you know what? We may not be able to overturn Roe v. Wade, given the state of the Supreme Court, but we can right. effectively turn, overturn Roe v. Wade if we can stop doctors from doing abortions because it's the cost to their reputations uh, right. and to their status inside are just too high. Right, right. So what was the reaction from a lot of the people that you encountered outside her, her medical practice on that day that you well, went out to protest? Well, her clients were were astonished to learn that she was doing abortions in Wichita or about to be doing abortions in Wichita. Um, the other people working at the office with her were clearly upset. They kept calling the police on us. Of course, the police know that wow. we have a right to be there. And, um, and of course, the fact that uh, a few days later, you know, a national email po- shows up from, uh, you know, major pro-abortion group talking about the protest, that was a, a real sign to me that behind closed doors, um, you know, the abortion industry is really worried about this kind of thing. Ah, so... Um, do you think that she was kind of set up to maybe try to take over the Wichita uh, abortion clinic? Because, you know, she's a – let me just focus on the person uh, real for a short time. She's a very unique individual, wouldn't you say, um, in in the medical field? For one well, thing, she's, kind of- she's, she's only been licensed to practice medicine in the state of Illinois for 20 months. Yeah, she's a young doctor. You know, we find that there are, there are really two kinds of abortionists today. Um, there are the, you might, and I hate to have to put it this way, but it's really an apt phrase. They're sort of scum of the earth types, like mm. Kermit Gosnell. Um, and and I, I think I would classify um, Leroy Carhart in the same category. If you've seen that live action video where he's Absolutely. talking about, you know, chopping a baby up. I mean, ice cold blood in his veins. In it for the money, um, you know, willing to exploit, willing to lie, um, just really, you know, bottom feeder types. Uh, then there are also a few of these idealists, you know, often young physicians who have bought the propaganda of choice. They've been steeped in it for so long that they just can't see it for what it is. And, uh, and they're ideologically motivated. They may really believe that they're helping by providing abortions. Um, we find that they soon become calloused and they find themselves swept in the vortex of abortion work and it isn't just sure. something they're doing on the side for idealistic reasons but becomes the focus of their lives and, and it's sort of a, a living hell. So I think she's in that category. She may believe that this is a, uh, you know, a virtuous thing to do. Um, in researching her, I discovered that she's referenced as a, um, a sort of a paleomedicine um, practitioner, uh, yes. which is which is a strange term, but I think it refers to you know, doctors who like to, to to first seek natural remedies, you know, she works at what's called a wellness center where they have alternative therapies in addition to, you know, regular, you know, medicine. And, um, you know, sort of ironic, I guess, and cruelly ironic that somebody who's looking for a holistic approach and a natural approach would be willing to do something so horrifically unnatural as, you know, sucking a tiny little human being out of its mother's womb in the earliest days of its life 
uh, tearing it to shreds and disposing of it as garbage. You know, there'd be more sympathy for, you know, a, an ailing bird than for a tiny little beautiful unborn human being made in the image of God. So, you know, we hope that that idealism can be redirected in her case and that she'll recognize that killing babies is not the way to serve women, to serve medicine, and to serve the community. Right. Well, according to her record, she graduated from medical school in 2009. So she's only been a officially, well, she hasn't even been officially a doctor for two years. She finished school in 2009, and she just received her, her license to practice medicine in 2011, which is less than two years ago. How do you think she has gotten her experience to to try to take on the business of, of abortion? Well, that much we don't know, but we do know that she's linked to the National Abortion Federation, and it sounds like she was vetted, like they were seeking somebody out. Mm. Um, I imagine that she was probably involved with the Medical Students for Choice group. This is a group that was formed by National Abortion Federation and other pro-abortion groups, NARAL and Planned Parenthood and so forth, to try to recruit new abortionists because there's a real crisis in the abortion business right now. Um, you wouldn't know it because we do have, uh, you know, over a million abortions taking place every single year. Right. Um, but those abortions are being done by an increasingly smaller number of abortionists. I mean, these guys are flying from city to city doing abortions. Um, I can't imagine that they're going to be able to sustain it for much longer because that's got to be a terribly exhausting lifestyle regardless of how much profit you can make from it, flying around all the time to different locations. I mean, in Wichita, for example... There's an abortionist coming from, I believe it's Arizona, as well as Chesting coming from Illinois to Kansas. Mm-hmm. They can't even find an abortionist that close that would come and do the abortions there in Kansas. So uh, a, gr- a, a shrinking number of practitioners. And so they formed this Medical Students for Choice group. Um, we actually infiltrated their national meeting a couple of years ago when it was held here in Chicago. We had a medical student um, sign up and go to their meetings and report back to us, bringing their literature. And, and uh, it was a real eye-opener because, and for one thing, we saw again and again that it's very difficult for even abortionists to avoid calling that little being inside of a woman's womb a baby. Right. Um, you saw that in some of the live-action videos recently. You know, we caught the baby up. Just amazing. You know, we all know this is the human being we're talking about. Uh, they talked about at this meeting how hard it is to screw yourself up to start doing late-term abortions. And they say you need to do about 1,000, maybe it was even 10,000. I'd have to look back at my records, but 1,000 wow. first trimester abortions before you even begin to try a second trimester abortion because it's it's so wrenching. Those babies are so well-developed. Um, you know, the tiniest little embryos and fetuses in the early weeks of pregnancy are, are so fragile and small and, and so unfamiliar looking in some cases because of their, their early age that it's maybe a little easier to look past their humanity, but mm-hmm. not so with the later term abortions. And it was the abortionists themselves who said, you know, if we can't get more practitioners, abortion might as well be illegal. A Roe v. Wade might as well be overturned. That's the abortionist talking. Right. You know, so this is a weak point of theirs, and that's why it's so important for us to target these young doctors uh, who are, you know, uh, beginning to um, get involved in abortion, so they'll withdraw from that. 
Wow. Yeah, I can totally see how, um, yeah, that's probably an aspect that we don't think about a lot is how many actual actual doctors who are willing to perform abortions in this country could actually be shrinking. Um, Given the number, now I'm not surprised because there's a lot of clinics, abortion clinics that have closed. There are people who are leaving the abortion business, employees who are leaving the abortion business, and the pressure on any one individual clinic to close is greater than it has been in decades. And That's right. And, add and to there that, has been a lot of success in that. Add to that the um, the fact that we're slowly starting to see a clamping down on these abortion clinics, which have been unregulated for so long. Right. Um, you know, we see that in the Gosnell case. Virginia's just enacted new regulations, for example. Very encouraging there. Uh, here in Illinois, we, we've got an abysmal situation. Um, most of the abortion clinics in the state aren't even inspected ever because they aren't mm. classified as abortion clinics officially. Planned Parenthood operates two of the busiest abortion clinics in the Midwest here in the state of Illinois. Neither one of them is is under any kind of state um, regulatory regime. So we have a long way to go mm. ahead of us. But you know, we've really um, we've got a real opportunity with the Gosnell notoriety. Um, with the live action videos that are exposing the abortion industry and with cases like this where we are able to target one doctor specifically and try to get her to quit. Right, absolutely. So, I mean, so a woman who is like Cheryl Chastain, who wants to get into the abortion business, is is taking on a lot of risk. I mean, there's a lot of personal risk to her and her career for underwriting basically the the uh, uh, an out-of-state According to her, is out of state abortion clinic, and how I'm not really certain. I would we would have to ask Troy Newman this: how all does all this supposed to work? But how do we prevent? Um, how do we get? How do we know when this happens uh, and get this information to the public? Because the more I learn about Cheryl Chastain, I'm sure she's a wonderful person and a wonderful human being. I actually looked at a lot of her online profiles for her doctor. I saw the whole, I'm a paleo wellness doctor, whatever that means. I know that I have friends, no no offense to them, that were on the paleo diet, and that sounds like kind of what she's promoting. (laughs) Uh, That I'm I'm okay with that, and that's, that's perfectly fine. I think she would make a perfectly fine family practice doctor for the rest of her life if she just chose to do that. Yeah, she's really making a bad choice. Right. Yeah, because in doing this, this is going to this is going to stigmatize her forever. Right, and the reputation that she will take on when people find out that she's the the abortionist in Wichita, Kansas, uh, is really I don't know that she would be able to have any other practice unless absolutely nobody knew her identity, and she seemed to be very distraught when Operation Rescue found out about her. Yeah, I don't think she saw this coming, which is really naive. But uh, here it is, and she's going to have to deal with it now. Right. So what would be the next thing to try for people of conscience to try to keep pretty well-meaning doctors away from the abortion business and away from the late-term abortion business in particular because it was so gruesome? Well, you know, Number one is share the story, especially the, the new live action videos that are so stomach turning, 
with your friends, with your family, um, post them on Facebook, and, and don't just post something once on Facebook. You know, people look at Facebook at different times during the day. Someone looks at the morning, they're not going to see the stuff you posted the, you know, the afternoon before. You know, so post things frequently. Uh, if you have a Twitter account, blast it out there. Um, share things through email. Talk to your friends about it. Talk to your family physician and say, you know, I heard about this doctor. And just kind of tell the story. You know, it would be horrifying to me to find out a doctor was an abortionist, you know. Right. Um, you know, ask them what they think about it, for example. And, uh, you know, keep us in your prayers. Keep Operation Rescue and the Pro Faction in your prayers as we collaborate on trying to, um, you know, put pressure on these doctors. You know, obviously peaceful legal pressure, but nevertheless aggressive and zealous pressure to quit the abortion business. And um, and if you live in Wichita, if you live in Chicago, um, come on out and join one of our protests. You know, if you're pro-life today and you're not... You, and, might, and, you know, I don't live in either one of those places. I live in between, but I am feeling like I ought to visit um, Chicago because that would be awesome. Well, you and know what? find there, out what's happening. There's got to be an abortion clinic somewhere nearby, no matter where you live in America. Oh, if you're, there is. If you're fortunate, there are a few. There are a few states where you you really are hundreds of miles away from an abortion clinic. But for the most part, there's an abortion clinic nearby. Go out there and pray. Go out there and, and uh, you know maybe you're not uh, prepared or trained to reach out to the abortion um, clients, but anyone can go to an abortion clinic and pray unless you're in you know, extremely uh, Ill, poor health or something. Um, you know, we really have an obligation to be out there. And uh, and not only is it important for us to be there because our witness is powerful to the clients going in and because our prayers are powerful and the spiritual effect of being at the killing center as a witness is extremely deep and very pleasing to God and very distressing to the devil. But when we're there, we can be the eyes and ears of the pro-life movement. You know, the the horrors going on at the Gosnell Clinic might have been exposed earlier if pro-life activists who, God bless them, were going out there all the time, had been a little more aggressive in doing things like looking up lawsuits and contacting groups like uh, you know, Operation Rescue and Pro-Life Action League with the things that they were seeing going on there. Um, we who are out there at the abortion clinics have a unique opportunity to see the horrors taking place um, right nearby. We can see the girls coming out um, hardly able to walk. We can see the ambulances showing up, as they so frequently do with these abortion clinics. Right. And we're able to expose the abortion clinic in just that way. You know, I did the math one time. If every single adult who claims to be 100% pro-life, that means pro-life without exceptions, is about maybe 20% of the population, if every single adult who holds that view were to go to an abortion clinic for one hour per year, just per year, one hour, we would have 30 to 50 pro-lifers at every single abortion clinic in the country every hour it's open. The abortion industry could not possibly withstand that kind of presence. Just our being there, watching right. them, praying there, being a, a, a physical witness would shut down the abortion industry. And you know what? I bet half the people wouldn't even have to do their hour because abortion would be over. So Absolutely. the only thing lacking, the only thing lacking in ending abortion in America this year is the commitment of people who call themselves pro-life. If you're, not, if you're pro-life and you're not going out to the abortion clinics, I sure hope you have a good reason for it. Because mm, that's a good you point. really need to be out there. And, and it is. And, and I, I would echo that. I would totally agree with that. Because we do have, here in St. Louis, we do have one surgical abortion clinic left uh, in the whole state mm-hmm. of Missouri. And we are actively putting pressure to try to dissuade, to basically break their business cycle. 
which has mm-hmm. been a very effective – it has been an effective ministry of and partnership between several pro-life groups and a pregnancy resource center. Uh, and we do – and over and over we uh, we have speakers, we have people like Abby Johnson come and speak to their fundraising dinners and all these things, and they say the, the number one obstacle to ending abortion in America is apathy. Mm-hmm. And it's not just – it's not just apathy uh, of those who aren't involved at all. It's sometimes the apathy of those who believe that they're pro-life, but that's as far as they'll take their belief is up to their front door and no further than that. Well, you know, I, I, I'm you know really trying to exhort people to get active out there, but, you know, at the right. same time, I understand that re- reluctance to go out to an abortion clinic and, and be involved actively out there. Um, it can be very unsettling and a new thing. Um, but I've found that people are really willing to do it if they're simply invited to. So I would encourage everyone out there, you know, invite your friend to go with you to the abortion clinic and pray and be a watchdog on the abortion industry. Don't be afraid. Um, you know, mostly it's just really boring out there uh, watching people go in. I mean, uh, you know, you may be envisioning scenes of protests and, you know, police sirens and all this, but in fact, pretty quiet most of the time. Um, we're out there and we're praying and we're watching and, and we're reporting and we're there to take pictures of the ambulances. We're there to reach out to the young women uh, going in there and their companions and, and try to convince them to change their minds. Um, but it's a, a critical thing to do and it's something that anyone can do. And uh, I really encourage people to do it because it makes a huge difference. Not only um, does it have an impact on, on the abortion problem itself, but it changes you to be out there. It makes abortion so much more real when you stand there and watch the clients going in and coming out again, um, it's no longer a theoretical issue. It's no longer just a kind of an idea in your head or a platonic right. notion of, of what a fetus is or what abortion is, uh, you know, in ethics class. It is a human being that was alive 10 minutes ago and is now dead. Right. And it happens right. right across the street from where you're standing. Right. And that is very encouraging um, to hear that you know, people can they don't have an overwhelming reluctance to go, but they can go. That is very uh, very encouraging. The last group of people I think I wanted to address is those that are seeking abortion. Now, how would they feel to know that a doctor, the abortion, especially in Kansas, that we're talking about, Cheryl Chastain in particular, only has 20 months of actual medical experience and only received her license to practice law in the state of Kansas nine months ago. Hmm. I can't. Be, I can't imagine that being a very comforting thing. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to. I, I wouldn't want to suggest that, that that young doctors aren't safe. I mean, uh, you know, well, it's, abortion well, is always a specifically in the abortion, specifically for abortions. Well, given the fact that um, you know, abortion is. Um, you know, not something like an appendectomy where you're going to get a lot of training in medical school and a lot of opportunities, um, but something that is so, um, you know, really uh, uh, scandalous and stigmatized, the opportunity to get any good at it, um, which I, I realize is a funny way to speak about killing people, but, um, yeah. you know, there's not as much opportunity there. So I think that would be a matter of concern for for women in Wichita. I, I, as, 
as I'm thinking about that, I wonder where she got her experience um, and if she's had enough. So if you think, if you say that students for choice and they recommend um, people have a thousand first trimester abortions uh, completed before they move on, I don't, I, you know, it's hard for me to believe that she has had that kind of experience, experience to make her a very reliable abortionist. I personally would caution anybody who would seek her out in particular to get an abortion, given the fact that I don't think that she's had a lot of experience in that. And there's no there's no guarantee that she would be any better at her job than Kermit Hosnell, who had the majority well, look at, for years. Look at Leroy Carhartt. Leroy Carhartt has That's tremendous right. He's a wealth of experience, and yet, you know, he had a patient die just a few weeks right. ago. Um, and, uh, you know, ironically, it, it was during the time that Live Action was doing their Sting videos on him. So, you know, here he is in one video bragging about how, you know, no one's ever gone to the hospital from his clinic, which is not true. And right. then we see a case happen in the interim. So even a great deal of experience isn't enough. You know, because abortion will always be unsafe because it will always be shameful. They will always be afraid to call the ambulance, as happened here in Chicago, um, when uh, Tanya Reeves was killed by a Planned Parenthood right. abortionist um, who uh, and they, didn't, they did not call 911. It was hours and hours between the time of the abortion and the time this woman showed up at the emergency room. Um, the, you know, the, the re and they want to say that it's our fault because we are, um, you know, causing problems and harassing people and making abortion shameful. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> abortion is, is shameful because it's killing a person, not because of, of our, you know, weird feeling that. Um, you know, in fact, abortion is a horribly evil thing and is always going to be shameful and it's always going to be something they try to sweep under the rug. And you're never going to be able to practice abortion as safely as you could, say, doing knee surgery. My brother had knee surgery today. He's doing wonderfully. He's not afraid to talk about it. He's telling everybody so that they'll have sympathy for him, maybe send him a beer or something. You don't do that with abortion. You, you hide it. When something goes wrong, you hide it. Um, it's, we find that it's very difficult to persuade women who've been harmed by abortions to file lawsuits especially public lawsuits where the, um, you know, uh, findings are, are, are exposed and the, and the claims and so forth, because they just don't want to think about it, they don't want to know about it, they don't want anybody else to know about it. Right. Well, so it's, yeah, a real, I mean, it's a real I, crisis. In, in, a, in a satirical way. I mean, I, I, I do see their point about that, that if we only, if everybody just simply approved of abortion and promoted it and didn't criticize it at all, then maybe it wouldn't be so difficult to talk about it. I guess that's that. true, you know. <laughs> and and we would do that if ab if abortion weren't killing a person, we wouldn't have a problem with it. That's true. Right. Right. So, you know, I would just encourage you to keep us informed of uh this this particular Dr. Cheryl Chastine and if she does move her clinic down the street or down to a different building, uh just keep keep us informed about how how the neighborhood reacts to her and how she gets her, her practice publicized and what goes on there. We would love to have you um, on again in the future and talk about it. Will do. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show and giving us just the rundown and the update about uh, the Chicago end 
of what's happened here. Um, and we, I do look forward to talking about the what's happening on the paperwork side, uh, on the Wichita side, with the paperwork and the ownership. And uh, I think, if anything else, people need to realize that if we don't pay attention to it, that's how Kermit Gosnell got away with his practices for 17 years or more. And that's that's also how Leroy Carhart is getting away with what he's doing. And it's also a free and clear in the state of Colorado now, as we talked about earlier um, before your segment began, how Colorado has passed basically a repeal of most of their pro-life laws, uh, including not holding abortionists liable for the deaths of women if they happen to kill them in an abortion technique. We have a lot of work ahead of us, but the more of us there are on the front lines, the quicker we'll get it done. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it so much for com- for you coming on uh, our show today, and I'll talk to you again. All right. Thank care. Take care. Now. All God right, bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And, everybody, that was Eric Scheidler. What a fantastic, fantastic update about what has happened um, with the ownership of the Southwind Medical Center in Kansas, in Wichita, Kansas. And to bring everybody up to speed about that, it is the same location where George Tiller used to operate his late-term abortion clinic. George Tiller, who is famous for his late-term abortions, uh, who who died from gunshot, he was killed. And then since then, uh, the abortion clinic has not operated and has been unable to find an owner to reopen it. And so since a doctor, per Kansas law, has to underwrite the ownership and operation of a, an abortion clinic, the current uh, associate, I guess the former associate of George Tiller, um, had been looking for some doctor to, uh, to perform that role. Now, the reason why there's something, we know that there's something fishy going on, is that this medical center, Southland Medical Center, on the surface doesn't seem to want to be known as an abortion clinic or an abortion mill because Cheryl Chastain's paperwork, which is associated with Southland Medical Center, is not actually associated with Southland Medical Center. It is a different name altogether. I believe it's called um, Wichita Medical Women's Women's Center, something like that. I don't have the name of that exactly. She actually is owner of a different medical, or quote-unquote medical center or clinic or women's health center, whatever it's called, it's a totally different name, but it's at the exact same physical location and address as George Tiller's clinic. So there is something that is not quite right about why two different women's medical centers or medical clinics, two different ones by two different names, are occupying the same piece of real estate. 
So as soon as we find out a little more about that, I would love to love to talk about that and put that on the air. And when we get to talk to Operation Rescue and other groups that are interested, that have been interested and are investigating this connection between Cheryl Chastain and Wichita, Kansas, I would put that. I'm going to put that on the air and talk about that. So uh, stay tuned for that. I, I am keenly interested in that because. It is just fascinating to me how people will go across the country to look for an abortionist to bring to their clinic or an abortionist is willing to own out-of-state property or an out-of-state clinic, out-of-state to them, in order to do abortions. Now, I know, as Eric had said, there are different motivations for doing abortions. So, you know, Ascribing the best motivations to Dr. Cheryl Trustine, maybe she feels like that abortion actually helps women and furthers women's rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality of it is that once you become entrenched in the business of killing, you're a little bit like a mafia doctor. You can't expose yourself. You only work on the those patients that you can keep silent, who know who you know will that won't talk to people about what's happening to them, and you are not recognized by the larger medical community as doing something that is positive and life affirming because you're in the business of death. I can't imagine uh, a a, a woman who is supposedly pro woman, maybe a feminist at heart and wants only good things for women's reproductive rights and all that stuff to take on a reputation that is associated with death. I think if she pursues this line of work, it may become her only line of work. I, I want to make clear to our listening audience that we don't want anything horrible to happen to Cheryl Chesting. We actually, I actually wish her the best. Like I said earlier, I think she would make a very decent, a very good family practice doctor and and see many patients in her life and in her career and have a wonderful, fabulous career if she would just stay away from abortion. I think getting involved in abortion would really see the end of the, of the life-affirming aspect of being a doctor. I think uh, I have I have heard rumors that doctors, medical students, and doctors, newly minted doctors, no longer take the Hippocratic oath. But aside from that, you know whether they take the Hippocratic oath or not, medicine is the science and the art and science of healing people, saving lives, not taking lives. And when you start using your medical knowledge, when a doctor starts using medical knowledge in order to take life instead of save life, you have turned the medical field on its head and are doing the opposite of what it's supposed to be. And there can be no good that comes out of it, either on a personal level or on a professional level. You know, sometimes on – I mean, I – Eric was right to bring up Leroy Carhart, a man that uh, I don't think that anybody respects in a true sense of the word. 
neither Kermit Cosmill. Nobody respects. The pro-abortion community will stand up and say something along the lines of, we need the men like this, although Planned Parenthood has done much to try to distance themselves from Kermit Cosmill. We need people like George Tiller and Leroy Carhart and, and others like them because we need late-term abortions. We need abortions. We need them to be legal. We need doctors to perform them. And we want them around. We like them. As much as they'll stand up and say we need these men to perform abortions, I should say commit abortions, they know that the public does not look at abortionists as being genuine life saving doctors because they're in the business of death. They are they have become the merchants of death. There's nothing positive about that. And so for, you know, Dr. Chastine's sake in her personal and professional life, I hope she stays away from this abortion business. And she realizes that her own name and her own practice is more important than whatever possible ideal that she can see uh, in doing abortions. And like I said earlier, if I were a potential abortion-seeking woman, I would have great reservations about seeing an abortionist that hasn't been a doctor for five years. She hasn't even been a doctor for five years and has only been licensed in the state of Kansas to practice medicine for nine months. And she doesn't even practice medicine in, in, in Kansas at all. If you would be willing to commit your body to the procedure, to an abortion procedure, procedure done by a woman who already has a practice of her own, would just be flying in to, Kansas, to Wichita, getting off a plane, and performing abortions right when she gets through the door, and then leaving just as soon as she is finished for the day, flying back to her own home two states away in order to do what her real job is, who is, on top of that, not available for, for your questions when she's not there in Kansas. I would have some serious, serious reservations about seeing somebody like this. No matter if you're, not even if you're talking about abortion, if she were to open a candy store in Wichita and was only there a few hours, maybe in a, in, over a weekend, and she had no zero business experience in having a business, I would probably be very suspicious about her ability to properly care for a woman. I think with that type of setup, we are looking at the potential for more women being harmed by abortion with such an inexperienced doctor abortionist than she would help. I don't know. I Like I said, I do not know what the level of experience that she has is. Perhaps she did see and perform a thousand first trimester abortions as 
as um, as Eric had said, is the outlines in the recommendations by the Abortion Federation, National Abortion Federation. Maybe she has. But still, she's not performing abortions well, at her placement. I'm sorry? Still a lot of abortions. So you have what? to murder her. I said it's still a lot of abortions. Right. Well, she's not performing abortions in her daily practice. So am I saying she might be a little rusty if she got an experience doing abortions before? I don't know. But maybe. Just maybe. So we're going to take a small little break because, man, I feel like a ton of breaks with this topic. I feel a lot of fear for women who might look her up in Kansas, in Wichita, and say, hey, I want, I, I want her because uh, she's available and she's willing to open this clinic. Uh, I, would be, I would be very afraid for them. So I'm going to take a break right now and be back in a couple of minutes. So when if you have any questions, please call. The number is 760-542-3907 to talk to either Thomas or myself. You are listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio on Blog Talk Radio, and we will be back in just a moment. We had a whole plan that sold abortions, and it was called sex education. Break down their natural modesty, separate them from their parents and their values, and become the sex expert in their life so they turn to us. When we would give them a low-dose birth control pill they would get pregnant on or a defective condom. Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18 multitudes of people that have been hurt by abortion. It's just unfathomable. That abortion is really, to me, the ultimate exploitation of women. It is so shameful and secretive that many women don't tell anybody that they've had an abortion. They won't say anything for 20, 30, 40, 55 years. They're so traumatized. Silence. U.S. Senate report states Physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There is an overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writings. Planned Parenthood is expanding now. They're building gigantic abortion clinics in anticipation of socialized medicine. There's a lot of money involved. We never would take personal checks. We always encourage the ladies to bring cash. Why is that? So, a lot, you don't have to report cash, friend. When you're fighting for your life, you need to know what you're fighting for. And if what you're fighting for is life, how do you destroy a life in an effort to fight that fight?
Welcome back to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. I'm your host, Leticia Wong, and I'm on air with Thomas Smith, our wonderful co-host, my co-host. I'm his co-host, so he's a host, and I'm his co-host. And when he's, and yeah, that works. Call, the number to call in is 760-542-3907. If you have a question for either Thomas or myself, we'd love to talk to you. And I'd like to make mention real quick that the chat room for me is not working. So apologies to those that are in the chat room. I am unable to see the chat that is going on. I wish I could, but so far the flash chat is not working with my computer. I don't know if it's a problem with with my computer or if it's a problem with flash chat. It's just not loading. So I'm terribly sorry about that. All right. So, Thomas. Yeah. Thomas, what? If do you have anything else to to add to either what our guests had said or what we were talking about earlier? No, it was yeah. a phenomenal show, and you do a good job as as usual. And I'm proud of I'm proud of the work you do. Well, thank you. Wow, I'll be expecting flowers next week then. <laughs> oh, we can... Well, actually, the show I'm turning over to you on the full time basis. <laughs> well, you are always uh, going to be the host slash co-host. So. No. I'm actually turning the show over to you on the full-time basis. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that, but thank you. That's I, I appreciate your confidence in me. But if we don't have any uh, other news to talk about, which I actually could because we have, I have a list that's six or seven items long that we could talk about. I always do for a show, and if we don't get to them, we don't get to them. But I... I'm kind of itching, though, to move to the stupidest thing ever that I well, we're adding to the segment. Okay, we're adding the segment to the show. It's called the stupidest thing ever, and somebody's going to somebody's going to make something about that. Like, oh, if it's if it's the stupidest thing ever every week, then it's not the stupidest thing ever. Well, yeah, go jump in the river, please. It's the stupidest thing ever. And this week's stupidest thing ever is this article that a friend of mine gave to me, uh, a link to me on Facebook. And it is, oh, the big-time liberal Randy Rhodes. Now, if you don't know who Randy Rhodes is, she's a talk show host, so she runs a show like we do, liberal talk show. Uh, but she's almost, she's also known as being a stand-up comic. I love how those things go together because they, they get so entertaining. But at the same time, if you're liberal, your ideas suck already. So you just make yourself 
funny and suck. So, but she tries. I mean, I tell you, she tries. Well, she got pretty heated, I guess, uh, a few days ago and ranted on her radio program about conservative women. And particularly since it's conservative women, we must be talking about reproductive rights and our body parts and all that stuff. So she has, she just said on her radio program, she said, and I'll quote, you know, these women, somebody really needs to go repossess their ovaries. And she says, really, truly, they have no right to them. They, meaning the ovaries, are fabulous little organs. They have absolutely no right to be estrogen-bearing beings, meaning the women. Okay? Just cut them off. Let them go through the hot flashes. Let them just sit there and complain about hormone therapy, okay? Just take the ovaries and get it over with because they don't deserve to have estrogen. They really don't. It's a privilege. <laughs> okay. I, you know what, I, I think I might just hit the end episode button right there and leave you with that. Um, but really, I can turn this around. I could say liberal. These women, these liberal women, somebody really needs to go repossess their ovaries because that really would make more sense. One day. Uh, Leticia, Leticia <laughs> let's, let's do it one better. Liberals always talking about calling for population control. Well, how about we start with them? Ding, 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 ding. You are absolutely correct. Well, there you go. I mean, it's <laughs> funny. They, uh, they get stupid in some of the things that they say, and it, it, it's a... It's amazing to me that the stuff they get away with and they're allowed to say and do, it, uh, it is Absolutely. what it is. I don't know that we would be, I mean, I think the argument can be made. We don't need to repossess their ovaries. They'll just hand it over to us. Let Randy Rhodes go and cut off her own ovaries because the way she's talking, she doesn't deserve them. She doesn't even want them. All right, and that is, that is the stupidest thing ever. All right, good night, everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for wonderful Pro-Life Fridays radio today. Come back next week and listen to the show, and uh, hopefully we'll have more stupidest thing ever. I don't think it'd be hard to find. Have a good night. Hey, good night, Thomas. Want to tell our audience good night? Good night, audience, and tune in next week. To another episode of Pro Life Fridays here on the Visible Conservative Radio Network. Cool. Cool. Put your hands up, open wide. Put your hands up, side by side. Age don't matter, like race don't matter, like place don't matter, like what's inside. Let the kick drum kick one time.